Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I hope that you've been listening along to our episodes in this adoption series, and I know I have enjoyed each family so much and love hearing their hearts and the way that God has called them to adoption. Um, And we have many more that serve within Samaritan's Purse, so hopefully we will get to hear their stories throughout the year um, and, and continue to do this. But today, we have saved our our guest for the grand finale. Uh, Chris Johnston serves in donor ministries, and he's been with Samaritan's Purse for over 14 years. And he and his wife, Juliana, have nine children. Four uh, have come to their home through international adoption. And I know you will be challenged and encouraged by everything Chris says and love hearing their heart and the way that God has led them into adoption. So thank you so much for coming, and um, I know it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, and for those listening and invited in, you know, you were on one of our first episodes, I think episode nine, Uninvited In, so if people want to hear your whole story of yeah. how you were, you came to the ministry, but for those of you, for those who didn't listen, Chris, would you just introduce yourself and maybe share what you do with Samaritan's Purse and how long you've been with the ministry? Absolutely. So Donor Ministries, I've been uh, with the ministry about 14 years, and we really just want to help our partners understand what God's doing around the world and answer questions that they have. Uh, it's it's amazing because uh, even in the past couple of months with different world events with Afghanistan, Haiti earthquake, um, so, so many different things across the United States, our, our partners know that Samaritan's Purse is going to be there. If there's a need in the world, Samaritan's Purse is there. And so a lot of our work is just letting people know more specifically how they can pray, how their gifts are making a difference. So it really is a joy of just connecting God's people to God's work and, uh, and encouraging them in that work and um, just affirming them. And we, we've had a, a, a really busy kind of end of summer, start of fall with Operation Christmas Child season uh, starting up. There's more and more people that are getting involved. There's a lot of new people this year that we're talking to that have questions about the ministry. So that's always exciting just to talk about what we do because it always leads to why we do what Mm -hmm. we do. And so it's always fun just to get to emphasize that with people and let them know it really is all about the gospel. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you for the update. I just wanted to hear, yeah, what you're seeing. but today we want to talk about adoption. Yeah. I know your family has adopted many times. <laughs> um, so maybe would you even just introduce us to your family and what, how many kids you have and maybe how many times you've adopted? Gladly. So my wife and I have been married 14 years and yeah, I've been here 14 years. Everything in my life started 14 years ago. Uh-huh. Um, everything good. Um, we have adopted four children. We have five biological children and Adoption kind of got on our radar after our second child, Isaac, after he was born. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we've adopted from Hong Kong, Providence. Uh, she was not quite two when we adopted her. And then we've adopted from Ukraine three times. We adopted Slavic in 2017 and then went back for Anna and Miriam also in Ukraine. And that was in 2018. So that was, you know, they weren't related. They just happened to be in the same orphanage the girls were. And... Yeah, never expected to. Yeah, adoption wasn't really on our radar at all. It's it's kind of been a surprise, but it's just what the Lord has revealed and uh, the next opportunity, the next need, and He's He's shown Himself faithful every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we I mean we want to bring awareness for many reasons. I mean, Samaritan's Purse. You know, we partner with many orphanages. I think we're in twenty partner with twenty different countries orphanages. Um, but as you mentioned, some 
it's not on their radar. Some, it's been on their radar their whole life. But maybe, you know, for those listening, that if it's not on your radar, we just want to tell tell our story. This yeah. is just our story. You yeah. know, each one looks so different. Um, the calling's different. The the way you do it, domestic, international, they're all just so different. The countries are different, mm-hmm. and I'm sure mm-hmm. you can speak to that. Um, but when did it become on your radar? And I love how you said that, that it it wasn't, but God obviously moved in your in your wife's heart. When did the Lord make it clear that this is adoption was for your family? Yeah, for my wife, Juliana, she has a grandmother. Uh, I mean, she's passed away, but uh, a really godly woman. And she, uh, when she was really young, I think maybe in middle school, her father passed away, and this was during the Depression, and her mother wasn't able to take care of her. So she went into foster care, mm. and a family fostered her because they needed farm help. They needed help around their farm. And so her grandmother didn't, get to finish school and she was never officially adopted and it was kind of um uh, you know the, the lord met her needs and she she became a, a uh, you know she was a follower of jesus all of her life a really precious lady but juliana always kind of lamented the fact that you know her grandmother never got to know a family in the sense that she should have and and so that was always kind of deep in her heart of you know how many other people may, might there be out there who haven't experienced, you know, a mother and a father the way that they, they really should. And uh, for me, I had an older sister who was adopted. So it was, it wasn't foreign at all. It was just, uh, that's one way of adding people to your family. But after our son Isaac was born, he was 10 days old. He was in the uh, neonatal intensive care unit. He was born about two months early and he wasn't making a lot of progress. And when he was, he had a lot of apparatus on his face and uh, breathing tubes and different things. But uh, at about the 10 day mark, the doctor started looking at his eyes and noticing that he, they were a, a bit almond shaped. And so they did, did some blood testing and we learned that he had Down syndrome. And after that, we learned that a lot of children with special needs, especially internationally, are placed on waiting list because families are, are might be willing to adopt a child that is uh, neurotypical, typically developing, you know, whatever language might be, but uh, someone that has uh, any type of genetic anomaly. It, it might even be something that could be surgically repaired, like a cleft palate, cleft lip, but they're placed on a, a waiting list because families are not as as willing to say yes to to them. And so after Isaac was born, it, it became... Uh, a matter of not just an awareness, but you know, we 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 thought, okay, we've got room around our table. We're, our life is already on this trajectory. We know a little bit of what therapy is going to look like and the different specialists that he's going to need to see. And why not bring somebody else into our family that could benefit from those kinds of things as well? Mm-hmm. So for you to have seen that, God broke your heart and seeing how great our care is here. And like you said, you could have all these specialists from day one. Um, and it does. It breaks my heart. Um, that's one thing that we tell our little boy, Levi. You know, we talk a lot about his birth mom mm-hmm. and how I don't know, but I'm sure she thinks about him every day, yeah. wonders where yeah. he is. Um, and I, I do think to some degree it is selfless. You know, these moms couldn't care for their child or maybe couldn't give their child what they needed. Um, and it breaks my heart. And I pray yeah. that she finds Jesus. And we yeah. pray for her Amen. almost every day, you know, yeah. um, that we will see her in heaven one day. Um so I ache for these moms that don't have that and, and dads that don't have yeah. this opportunity to watch their children grow and thrive. Um, so you get to step in as an advocate. And I think for me, I've seen the gospel so clear in adoption because yeah. that is what Jesus did. You know, he 
no, nothing that we've done. You know, he adopted us into his family. Yeah. And so how have you seen um, God grow your faith uh, personally as a couple, but even for your kids by stepping into adoption? That's a great question. And, and honestly, it's something that we we see continually. It's still kind of developing and unfolding. Uh, you know, you're, you're right. The adoption is a great picture of the gospel because um, I, I think in Slavic's case, you know, here, here was a, a, he was 15 years old. He was living in an institution. He's blind, nonverbal, autistic. And he lived in a place with about 80 other men and boys uh, with developmental disabilities. And um, he was abused in every way. And he, because he was blind, he couldn't really get away from other boys. And so just lived pretty much in fear. And then the first day that I met him, it was, it was kind of a, looking back, it's a funny story. I was there with the, a regional social worker who wanted to witness my first encounter with him. And Slavic had lived in a, a place called the Isolation Hall, and he had never actually been outside and touched grass. And so the first time that they brought him out to me, they didn't want to let me in the building to see everything going on in the building. And they brought him out to me in a little courtyard where there was grass, and his feet touched the grass, and he just panicked. And so he was didn't know what to do. He was scared and he was just pulling me and every which way. And I was trying to stay composed because there was this social worker kind of observing me and, and um, they're very skeptical about why, you know, why would you want to adopt a boy like this? Uh, even, even in that, being able to just share the gospel with the, the judge who was over this case, um, but it, being able to just share with the judge uh, for, for my wife and myself, we had always thought about maybe serving overseas and missions. And we were able to talk about, I was I shared with that judge. I think the Lord gave it to me in that moment because I'm not great just on my feet thinking through things. But I, I told him, you know, we, we don't have the opportunity to go overseas, but we have the opportunity to bring people into our home and share the love of Christ with them. And I could see, you know, through a translator, that kind of the countenance on his face changed. And it went mm-hmm. from one being of suspicion and skeptical to thinking, okay, I can... Uh, I, I think the Lord worked in his heart there to uh, then give us the approval that we needed. But but yeah, in Slavic's case, he had no idea that some family across the world was interested in him and uh, and going to you know great expense and logistics of traveling to uh, be able to bring him into our home. And I think it you know it's really similar to like justification and sanctification. You know, the moment that our heart is regenerated by the Holy Spirit and we have faith in Christ. We're justified. We are set right with God. But it takes all of our life to live into that and to understand what this new identity means. And it's similar with Slavic. Whenever the judge says, approved, he's your son. Uh, but he had no idea what it means to be a Johnston. And it's taken him time. You know, He had 15 years of really bad experiences in, a, in an institution. And he's been with us about four years now. And so he's, he's unlearning some of those bad habits in the same way that it takes us time to shed you know, the flesh and our fears and these other things that we've walked in, um, you know, Slavic is learning what it means that you can trust us and that we're, you're always going to have enough food and you're not going to be hurt. And it, it's amazing because he, at first, whenever he would be anxious in a new place, he would, uh, he would just rip off his clothes or he would, if he could get a hold of your hands, he would start just pinching or scratching, not, not being aggressive, but just trying to communicate. Like, I, I feel out of control. Something, something is off, but that that all changed over just a, a number of months after his being home 
And it went from that. My, my wife realized that food was really comforting to him. So if we were going to be in a new situation, a doctor's office, a waiting room, uh, she would bring a milkshake. And if he could get a milkshake, by the time that that was you know halfway done, he he would realize, okay, I'm in a new place, but I'm okay. There's going to be milkshakes. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a the gospel and milkshakes mm-hmm. right there. <laughs> um, so I know with four kids in two different countries, uh, the process is different in each one. Um, so people listening, and I think everybody is, you know, James 127 is very clear, uh, pure religion, you know, is to care for the widow and the orphan, yeah. you know. And so we are all supposed to do that to some degree. Now, I don't think we all have to adopt, but I think we can all support those that do. But mm-hmm. for maybe people listening and are just curious, what what were your next steps? Where did the Lord lead you? Um can you maybe just give us a bird's eye view yeah. of what that looked like? Yeah. So, so with Providence, we used a, a large established uh, adoption agency that that works in a lot of different countries, works both with uh, foster and domestic adoption and internationally. And that was that was great for our first experience because it it, it was a little more costly, but they also uh, reduced a lot of the risk because. Um, just going into things. Whenever we actually went to adopt her, everything was essentially done, and it was just a process of then receiving her and uh, and making it as as smooth of a transition for her as possible, and coming home. And then with with Slavic, and then Anna and Miriam, it was it was a little different. But but step one was identifying a uh, a caseworker, someone who a social worker who could come and write a home study for us. And from there, uh, you know, more paperwork of. Uh, figuring out what country we were going to adopt from. And, and you're right, in terms of that first step with Providence, we, we didn't have a particular country in mind, but there are all all kinds of different restrictions based on you know, the number of years you've been married, how old you are, the age of your youngest child, your income, all, all these things that can make you either qualified or not for certain countries. And at the time, we were only we only qualified for one country, and that was Hong Kong. And... Obviously, the Lord knew that, and He was directing our steps to to Providence, and that that whole process might have been about two years from the time we started until she was actually in our home. And whenever we adopted Providence, it was yeah a, a bit of a somewhat cleaner process in that we were working with one agency. With with Slavic, we learned about him, and for a while, my wife was kind of advocating for him online, and and just we connected with a family who had worked with him and knew more about his story. And she was sharing that story and we were, we were praying for him and, and then it, it kind of turned and it was like, well, I wonder if that might be us, if we might be that family that, uh, the guy would be calling. And so we thought, all right, Lord, we'll, we'll walk down this road as long as you keep the doors open. But we fully expected at any point he might close the door there again, because of maybe res- limitations based on the number of kids that we have or the ages of our kids and and just expecting, okay, this this probably isn't going to work. But we thought, all right, Lord, if you keep the doors open, we'll keep walking through them. And he just continued to do that. And with in Slavic's case, and then also with Anna and Miriam, it was it, we tried to hold it very tentatively because that's that's another thing in adoption, uh, working with a different country. You know, there are different families, changing dynamics and and different information. We learned it's really good to go in, you know, just with open hands and an open heart and just trusting, okay, Lord, uh, we have an idea of what this might look like and we're willing, but we trust you for whatever the end result is going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know I love the open hands. That's why I tell everybody, you know, you, if you're a control 
if you're a control freak, adoption is going to be good and bad for you. That's you know, true. I think That's as true. a Christian, we should all hold our, our our lives loosely. You know, our hands should be open. Yeah. Um, but with God, it it can be a blessing. Yeah. And so maybe what what hardships surprised you, or or maybe um, what has been hard, but how has God sustained you in that? Yeah, you know, you mentioned the uh, some of the unexpected things and being able to hold things loosely, and 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 really, I think it's true whether we adopt or just any relationship, any kid. You know, there can be unexpected things that okay, somebody had an accident and we need to run to the ER now. Mm-hmm. That that's a change, but uh, for for Juliana in particular, it's some of the the dailiness of everything. It's the uh, so, so we have three teenagers in diapers and just that process and some specific medications. Anna has a feeding tube into her stomach. So that requires some special care and and, and attention. So she's figured out a great system and just kind of rhythms of, of being able to do that. But it is just the the dailiness of it that she would say kind of can wear on her. And and the feelings don't always follow. You know, whenever you're you're serving kids, and in our case in particular with with kids that don't connect emotionally or really relationally, uh, you know, and, and they may in time, but just many, many years in an institution where there's there was a not meaningful personal connection, they've they they don't really know how to yet. So just learning to trust us. And and it is harder when there's not a uh, a connection. She talked about how with Providence it was it was a little easier because she was you know not quite two. She was little. She was cute, and so even even our family kind of understood that more. But then whenever you're talking about teenagers that have these kind of complex medical and special needs, then people were like, "Are you are you sure you know what you're getting into?" Um, so, so there's a little bit of that as well, just with some of our friends and families walking through that and explaining, well, yeah, that's, and appreciating their feedback, but also sensing this is what God's calling us to, and we're trusting that he's going to, going to meet us there. So for Juliana, she very much, yeah, you're right. It's what gets you in the ring is knowing what is good and what is right. And for her, that's what she falls back on is knowing this is what God has called us to, and he's going to equip us to do it, to stay in day after day and still have the strength to do it and to do it with patience, even if my heart isn't where it needs to be, you know, trusting, okay, be obedient and trust that the feelings may come in time, but if not, you know, they're not going to drive this train. They're going to be in the back. Mm -hmm. And anytime she struggles, she tries to put herself in the situation of our kids of thinking, okay, if this were me, if I had cerebral palsy like Anna and I'm in a wheelchair, um, yeah, I, I would want somebody to come and help keep me clean, help keep my feeding tube working, keep me comfortable, all, all those kinds of things. And it's a it's a no brainer whenever you just do the work of putting yourself, you know, in in their shoes. And for me, it's it's a challenge whenever there's sickness because we've got pretty good rhythms around our house and everything. But whenever people get sick, that just takes all the margin, all the any cushion out. And, and it can be stressful, but especially with our kids from Ukraine who are, are nonverbal and they can't tell you what's going on, where they're hurting. Um, in Anna's case, it might just be crying and we can't identify. We're trying to rule out what, what may be going on. So this year, I think I've spent three or four nights in the ER with them trying to get things diagnosed. And, and honestly, it's, it's things in my own heart that for whatever reason, it's hard for me to be there because I'm thinking, Okay, Lord, we're doing a good thing here. We, we're trying to obey you, you know, and we've we've brought these kids into our home, and 
couldn't you at least like just help us to ha- keep them healthy? And right now they're they're sick. We can't figure out what's going on. The doctors can't clearly diagnose what's causing this pain, this discomfort. And and so the Lord and I have had some good wrestling matches. I, I guess like Jacob in in the middle of the night of just uh, in the ER thinking about these things. And and I and I still don't have that resolved. Other than the, the Lord reminds me that He cares about these kids far more than I do, and He's just chosen us to be part of His hands and feet to care for them. And so He He reminds me that uh, that His His love is so much deeper, and that that I still have so much to learn about His heart. Because how I might respond, I might be even frustrated that you know Anna is sick. She can't help that she's sick. She's, she's equally frustrated. And so there's so much stuff in, in my heart that comes out in, in those instances that I realize, wow, the, the Lord still has a lot of work to do. Th- thanks be to God. He's going to see it through to completion. Mm. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I know. I do. I think about you guys a lot because I'm so tired and depleted at the end of the day, and I have half, even less than half of what you have. Um, and I think about that a lot, um, the logistics and just the— capacity that you have. And like you said, if then a sickness gets thrown in, it just throws off, you know, you have to be organized with how many kids you have. Mm-hmm. So how have you seen your kids um, have to adapt and embrace these new siblings? Um, so I guess what have been the struggles there and with your, with, with all the kids? Um, struggles, but also the blessings. Yeah, I think of it was really similar because we had uh, we had these children in mind and we knew a little bit about them. So we were telling our kids and we were praying for them. And in Anna's case in particular, so she was really, really malnourished. And it was a question of whether she would even survive until we were able to, to get there and, and get her home. And Andrew, uh, our son Andrew was maybe um, six or so at the time. And, and it, that's a pretty weighty topic to be talking about. You know, there's this, there's mm-hmm. this girl and she... she is really malnourished, and I remember one night he was even just in tears, and I and and in some ways I, I was sad about that because he, you know, that, that's such a heavy burden to place on a six-year-old. But at the same time, I was thankful to see God working in his heart that you know, his heart being broken by this is not how the world should be. This is not this is not right. But God is calling us, and we're going to be able to do something about it. And thanks be to God, yeah, Anna's lived through uh, long enough to even come home. So that was, you know, some real stuff to, to work through with Andrew. And, uh, but, you know, we've been grateful to see some of the amazing progress as well. But one of the things that has been so neat with Slavic is uh, now, you know, he is not ag- aggressive at all. He's not, um, he doesn't pinch anyone. He doesn't try to headbutt anybody. Any, any of those things early on that were kind of stressors that he would express himself. He doesn't do any of that. And, and our two-year-old daughter often will go get him out of bed in the morning. And uh, she's so excited. She's saying his name, Slagic, Slagic. And uh, she'll get his hand and lead him uh, out of the bedroom. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no fear there. And she just sees Slavic differently than we do because mm-hmm. it's just, that's just Slavic. That's who he is. And, one night I remember he's he's on a bunk bed. I was putting him to bed and I was just kind of had my arm wrapped around him. I, I kiss him on the cheek and I was just praying for him. And I thought, Slavic, you have no idea how much I love you and how, how deeply you are loved. Uh, you just lack the cognitive ability to understand all that's been done for you. And at the same time, I, I felt the father telling me, son, you have no idea how much I love you. Your mind can't comprehend the, the breadth and the depth and the heights of my love. And uh, so even there, it's like the Lord was reminding me of, you have a lot to learn about my heart. And then it was kind of coming full circle. Mm. He's like, 
there's st- still have a lot to learn about my heart because it is eternal and infinite. And so the depths of my love, it'll take you all of eternity to mm. understand. Mm. Wow. I feel like as parents, you know, um, we're ambassadors, right? We, we are not owners of them. We have been entrusted by God um, to disciple and train them up in the way that they should go, but they're not ours. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with that because sometimes I'm not a controlling person, but I want to control their behavior. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm in charge. And God has to remind me often. I have opportunities to learn that many <laughs> times. But um, we, are, we are ambassadors. And he is our he is giving us our assignment daily, and we need to seek him for that. Um, but you, on top of uh, having nonverbal children, um, in fact, I was just reading Proverbs thirty one eight. You know, open your mouth for those who can't speak themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and God talks many times in the Bible about vulnerable and the those that can't defend themselves. What is that like to be? Because we're all advocates as parents. You know, for them medically, um, when they can't do things or they need advocacy. But I guess, and are there certain scriptures that He brings you to time and time again, or is it new and fresh every day? Um, what has He taught you personally by being their advocates? I, I think one of the the most surprising things that that we've seen um, by advocating for them and even just by having them in our family and and still being a fan, you know going out going to a restaurant or going to the beach whatever it is it's been amazing how people see Jesus mm-hmm. in them and you know that was nowhere again on on our minds but. Uh, Inevitably, if if we take everybody out uh, to the beach, you know that that is a process. And you talk about logistics and, and getting everybody there, but there will be people who just stop, and you have to find out, you know, what is going on. And there again, we, we might be in the middle of you know dealing with a dispute or you know helping somebody just finish with a snack, and we're not even aware of what's going on around us. But then uh, you know people might even come up and, and through tears and uh, just. Uh, you know, thank us for what we're doing and just kind of asking you know, what what is going on because they're trying to figure out, you know, they're trying to fill in the details of what, the story of how, who who are these people, how are they related to one another. And so when we can just share a little bit about that and uh, it's it just leads so clearly into explaining the gospel and what God has done for us in Christ. And time and time again, we've seen uh, some some pretty special I, I really think, you know, just divine appointments of being able to um, encourage people. I, I think it is maybe a picture of the kingdom of God because such are all of us in terms of nonverbal, our our dependency. I mean, we, we're we all that way. And and maybe in our society, we have so much of a desire to to maintain our independence, our, uh, you know, separation, our, our, our freedoms and our rights and all these things. But the reality is before the Lord, I mean, we, we are all so dependent and we just have this, we, we begin life very dependent on other people. If Depending on how long we live, we're, we'll also be very dependent. And, and I think the Lord has, you know, put us on one planet. He could have spread us all out, but we're all here, here together because we need one another. We are uh, dependent certainly on Him. Hmm. Wow. Because you're right, the daily grind and the daily, that's when it's hard. Um, not when you're on display. Yeah. Um, and I still said that all the kids about military because I think people are really great about appreciating our military families and, you know, and that same thing when we would have a big festival or a gathering or where you would get pampered or, you know, that's not why we do it. Um, yeah. But it is good to, especially the kids, because I think right. for us, you know, Edward and I made that choice to be in the military or to adopt, you know, but they didn't 
really have a say. I mean, they did, but they didn't, you know? And I guess they didn't know the implications or what it would mean or um, how it was going to affect them. But again, that's not why we do it, but it is sweet when you are rewarded. And so maybe people that don't feel called to adopt, but say, oh, I would love to support or help. What is helpful to you guys? And, And what could you say to people that aren't, don't feel led or called to adopt, but how can they support those that do? You know, you said everybody's, yeah, we're just sharing some of our stories. Everybody's story looks different. And so I think one of the best things is just getting to know somebody who who is on that mm-hmm. journey and then finding out, you know, what would be meaningful to them. And maybe it's a, a, a night of respite or maybe it's, uh, they might be in the, a phase where they're trying to raise money for international travel or um, agency fees, whatever that might be. And so coming alongside them and helping to, set up a fundraiser or whatever, whatever it is. But I think it's just finding out, you know, what is it that you guys need that you're seeing in your family that we could step into and, and, and all of it, we're, we're just really grateful for. And, th- and that might be, you know, on, if we're at a, uh, a picnic someday, then somebody just asking, Hey, can we take Anna and Miriam and just push them in their wheelchairs? And uh, just even little things like that, just in the moment of um, even someone sitting beside Slavic in church and just kind of, uh, holding their hand, you know, holding his hand before the service starts, or if he throws his sock back, then uh, helping, you know, pass that back forward to him. So uh, we've seen a lot of, you know, just really unique things, but I think it's just getting to know someone going through that and finding out what their point of need is. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, would you mind, like, um, I just was t- curious about a typical day for you guys, because I think, you know, perspective is perspective or perspective helps, you know, because I think sometimes people think, oh, my life's so hard or, you know, but when you hear about somebody else or what their typical day looks like, you think, wow, uh, because that's something that challenges me. You know, when we do stories on mothers across the world that don't have running water and have to go, you know, it just makes me more grateful when I am doing dishes and I, you know, it just, it changes my mindset. So maybe even just to pray for adoptive families, can you just give like a, a daily, I know each day might be a little different, but what does a day look like with nine kids, you know, multiple needs, Juliana Home School? She does. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I can't even fathom. What what does that look like? Because that requires a lot of you. And I, I think you die to yourself daily. Yeah. Um, what does a day look like for your family? Yeah, you know, and um, Juliana, we'll, we'll talk about that, how, you know, our adopted kids, they have maybe more physical needs, but then it can be hard. We can both, both be very task-oriented, you know, get things done. And maybe on the way to changing the diaper or refilling Anna's feeding tube, uh, one of our typically developing kids wants to just show us something or tell us about something they just read. And they have just as real of an emotional need right then to be to be met. And so that's something that she's often aware of and just praying that mm-hmm. you know we can be aware of all the needs and responsive to, to what is most important at the time. And, you know, seasonally it looks very different, but... Uh, yeah, every day begins. We, we kind of jokingly between us, we call it the gauntlet, like getting everybody up. It it is a uh, especially like on a Sunday when you've got to be out the door at a certain mm-hmm. amount at a certain time. Then uh, yeah, that's Providence uh, is usually up early, so getting her up and then getting her oatmeal. She likes things. If her oatmeal is not the right consistency, she is. You will find out about it. She will mm-hmm. be throwing it back at you. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting her oatmeal just right, and then getting Slavic up and uh, Miriam up, and getting them bathed, and, uh, and and getting them fed, and that yeah, with Slavic he can move on his own. He can walk into the shower and, and everything. With Miriam, she has to be 
carried and, um, and, and then cleaned up. Uh, with Anna, we have to get, the, the first thing I do every morning is change Anna's diaper and refill her feeding. Um, she's got a feeding tube. And so it's kind of like an IV bag that has the formula in it. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing we do every morning. That's the last thing we do before night because she's on just a continuous feed. And so, yeah, so, so a typical day, getting everybody up and going and in, into their sort of respective routines. Julianne will say like most of our life just revolves around meals and, mm-hmm. and diapers kind of waking up, going to bed. That, that's a lot of it. And most days, you know, we're at home. And then at night getting, uh, getting everybody ready for bed. You know, most people now are old enough. They can bathe themselves. They can find their pajamas, except when they can't. And it's like, it's right there in front of you. Um, but uh, yeah, lo- lots of laundry every day and, and dishes and all, the, all that good stuff. And, and staying after that. Um, mm-hmm. We want to be careful too with our kids. We, you know, this is something that Julianne and I have been called to, and we want to serve um, these children. We, we, we're the ones who've adopted them. And so we don't want to be place a burden or create any kind of resentment. Uh, definitely don't want to neglect our, our kids that, that are typically developing. But, but our prayer is that in time that, that they'll see, you know, what, what, uh, really the opportunity is to to just share the love of Christ and they will get a vision for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I just keep coming back to your opportunity. I think it does shift it when you say, I get to do this rather than I have to do this. And But yeah, I, I carry that same burden with my kids. It's like you don't want um, them to resent. And just as you were talking about, I thought about the you know, the prodigal son, you know, and just how that older brother, you know, struggled when he came home. And that was more of a, I think, a pride thing. Um, but we all we all can have one of those hearts, you know, either the the runaway um, or the one that has everything, um, you know, and the dad said, but what I have is, is, all, is yours, yeah, you yeah. know, and, um, but he didn't see it that way because he saw resent, resenting. So I, I do, I just think about that all the time, but that's where I have to say, okay, God, you soften their hearts. I mean, help me to do the possible and help me That's to, good. yes, meet their needs. Cause I do, um, one of my kids reminds me often cause she doesn't need as much that sometimes some others take more of my time, you know? And so I have to be more intentional with her with the small moments right. uh, and give her, you know, quality. She may not get the quantity time because some demand a little more in this yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Lord does, you know, show me often that I can overlook sometimes her needs because it's not as loud and in your face. Right, so I think right. just, I love, that's why I think I love so much about you guys is the humility and just mm-hmm. the way that you're you're teachable. And I think that's what I tell people. Adoption isn't scary. It just requires you to be humble and teachable. And our flesh fights that every day. Yeah. I, I, I fight it all the time. I'm not, I don't do it perfectly, but that is what God is showing me that he has enough, you know, what is that? Second Corinthians, you know, in my weakness, God is, his strength is perfected, right? right? Like it actually, when we can't do it, gives him that opportunity to step in and supply our needs and and show himself. Was there a scripture that the Lord sustained you with or gave you during it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I guess some of these were, were pivotal when we were at the point of, um, in the process, and there were still finances to deal with, and and in every case. So I think, e- even to get you know specific, I think with Providence, the whole process might have been around thirty thousand dollars, and with uh, Slavic and Anna and Miriam, the three of those 
plus Providence, well over $100,000 in the entire process. And, you know, it's amazing because we just saw God provide that time and time again. And so that we, uh, there would be times where it's like, okay, for us to do this, it's going to mean depleting this and, uh, and saying no to this. And, uh, and we would do that. But then also people we wouldn't even know would out of the, even, even there are times when we're at the beach and people would walk up to us and just give us money. And they said, go and buy ice cream. Mm. This past summer we were at the beach and there were three different people who did that. And mm. we're like, guys, we're going to get a lot of ice cream. Mm. So uh, just seeing God provide but in, in Proverbs eleven twenty four says, one gives freely yet grows the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. And, and also Proverbs nineteen seventeen, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. And that's such a, an interesting thing. He's, you're lending to the Lord, you're giving, but the proverb says you're actually just lending to the Lord because the mm-hmm. Lord says the poor are mine. So if you're taking care of them, I'm going to pay you back and he will repay him for his deed. And that's something I go to so much. First uh, Corinthians four, seven, what do you have that you did not receive? You mm-hmm. know, all that we have, it came from him. So it's not, the only actual sacrifice was him. He, he has given us himself. And so all that we have, we're just giving it, you know, out of his hand. You know, if I have resources, if I have health, God has given that to me. If I've been able to earn an income because of, you know, what, whatever else, uh, well, God has given me these connections. God has given me skills or education. And so I'm just giving what he's already given to us. He's, he's the one. So whenever we get that, those are the moments when God kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit and lets you see some of what he's doing. And, and you, you realize, oh yeah, this is not about me. This is about what God's wanting to do through us. And whenever we're willing to trust him completely and say, yeah, Lord, my life is yours. It's all yours. So, I mean, those are some, some passages that, that have, uh, have meant a lot to us. And, you know, and the reality is, yeah, adoption, it is, uh, th- there is a burden. There's a, um, a, a cost to it. There's a cost to to our marriage, to our relation. You know, that's that's less time that we have together. Um, if we're we're having to spend more time focused on you know during the process or or once everybody's home, but yeah, that's just so clear throughout Scripture. You know, to lose your life for another, that's really where it begins. And it, we have to war against the the world's kind of consumer mentality of approaching relationships transactionally. And I'll stay in this as long mm. as things are good for me. If my needs are being met, if I'm feeling fulfilled, then this is good. But we're called to just something radically different as followers of Jesus who came not to be served, but to serve the very ones who betrayed him. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus is washing their feet. And if that's what our Lord is, you know, you called me teacher and Lord, and you are right. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. That's, that's what we've, we've been called to. But that actually mm. is when we do that, we find what is truly life. Because anytime, it's, it's like if you pursue your own uh, happiness, it's, it's like drinking, you know, too much sweet stuff or sugar and, and you just feel sick and bloated. Anytime we're pursuing our own uh, ideas, that kind of life is just so empty versus a life that's oriented toward others. And how can I bless them? How can I build them up? Because that's who our Lord was and what he was mm-hmm. about. And in that, it's where we find, you know, Jesus is the groom who gave his life to love his bride. And when we internalize that and then can give out of that, that's where we find, you know, life that's truly life. And that may be an adoption or it may be in anything that God is calling you to to say yes to, where it looks like it's going to be hard. It's going to be costly. Mm. It's going to mean that my lifestyle 
or this this aspect of my life is going to have to change. And and that that's just what I would encourage people in of of just trusting that the Lord is good. I, I think that's where so much of our battles lie. Is do I believe that the Lord is good? Uh, you know, even going back to the to the garden, Adam and Eve. Uh, I think that was the fundamental question that they didn't wrestle with enough. Did do I believe that God is is good? That He's put me in this garden with everything I could need. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, it's the same. Do, all, and all, ultimately, all that we really need to know is that, that he is good. And with that, we can say yes to whatever it is that he's calling us to, either adopting or supporting others that are adopting or whatever, maybe signing up to coach that rec league soccer team so mm-hmm. that you can you know, be a blessing to invite your neighbor over for dinner, whatever it might be. We can say yes, confident that God is good and he's going to work out his good purposes. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you uh, were encouraged by Chris's uh, testimony and just their family and the way that they serve the Lord each and every day in their home and outside. They truly are inspiring and authentic and such a beautiful family. And I know that I'm personally challenged uh, by them every time I see them or hear about uh, what they're doing. And I know we've talked throughout the series um, about how to get involved and how to get engaged. And I hope that hearing these stories has allowed you to start praying and asking God how you can get involved. And we've said it over and over that not everyone is called to adoption, but I think we all are called to support and and pray and, and love in some way. And so maybe it's just loving and supporting families like the Johnstons. If you have a family in your community that has adopted or does foster care, I encourage you to support them um, in some way. Or if you know somebody that's in the process of adopting, please reach out, help them financially and praying as they wait for their children. And so, but there's also lots of other ways. You know, there's obviously foster care is huge. There's many needs, many ways to get involved. Uh, But there's also pregnancy centers all around the country, and they're a great way to get involved as well. I have worked within two different states, uh, and both, you know, had little little differences, but many similarities. And most, the ones that I was in, you know, they obviously help mothers that are in difficult pregnancies make some hard decisions and just navigate and walk them through whether they choose adoption or whether they they want a parent. And so we, you know, the ones that I was in, we helped them. There was discipleship and mentoring available. They could come until the baby was two years old. And by coming, they were able to earn incentives like diapers and formula and essentials, you know, to help them. But also, you know, many are young and they don't know uh, just basic things that we take for granted, um, like swaddling and, you know, what is colic and how to just navigate the difficulties of being a new mom. And so they're really wonderful ways to help disciple and train these these parents for the next generation. So I encourage you to get involved. Obviously, praying is huge. It's really important. Giving your time, um, whether it's through a pregnancy center or foster care, finances is huge, critical. Um, So I just encourage you to look around and see of ways that you can help and love and support um, adoption. And so as we close, you know, we will be taking a break until the new year. So I hope that you have a Merry Christmas and you truly enjoy time with family and friends and remembering why we celebrate. 
and turning your eyes um, towards the Lord. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for praying and may God bless you.